on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. For the person listening that's like, dude, I don't necessarily have that fulfillment of what you are like the love, the passion. I'm just doing it because it makes me money or I'm doing it this for three years and then I'm selling. Is there a layer to passion that person, whether they haven't achieved that level of success? What can they glean from this passion that you're expressing? You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Chris McCarthy here on the King stage, my bearded brother from another mother. How we doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me here today. Dude, respect I, uh, the beard. Got to show love for the beard for sure. Yeah, mad, mad respect. From from the screen, I can kind of see yours has got a reddish tint. Is that right? Yeah, I got a I got the ginger look going on. I always have, and I got a few white ones coming in here, but I think that's just because of the business. But it's all good. <laughs> it's wisdom, they tell me. It's wisdom because I'm starting to get them in yes. too, and I'm not sure what to think about them. But they say it's wisdom. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like I guess you just got to embrace it, right? Yeah, that's right. Chris, I'm so thankful that you're here. Spend some time with us. What kind of business do you have? So we, my co-founder and I, we co-founded a sports tech startup. So we work with professional sports teams to help them increase their sponsorship sales and their fan engagement with their partners. Wow. That is, that is a succinct answer. What uh, in, inside of that, I want to know like the story and how you got there. But my first question is always the same. There's a, for every successful person that I've met, there is a burning desire. And I want to know what's deep inside of Chris that just can't be quenched. What is that? Yeah, I just like, I, I think back like to an early age, like I feel like I always had like an entrepreneurial flair. In university, I started like a delivery business on campus and, you know, I, I was featured in the newspaper and everything. And that was like my first kind of like forte into entrepreneurship. But I took business admin. One of my classes was entrepreneurship. And I just fell in love with the idea of being able to like, you know, make your own schedule and just the freedom that being a founder and entrepreneur can give you. So I have a really unique story. I played professional hockey, ended up like transitioning into the front office. And then I came across a pain point naturally while I was working with my, my now co-founder. And we found a pain point that a lot of other teams in professional sports had. So we made the decision to make the jump. And I just think like, I was always kind of in the back of my mind looking for an opportunity and to do something and make a difference in the world and put my stamp and leave a legacy. And that was like part of the reason why. And I'm also like a huge sports fan, like growing up here in Canada and, you know, being a hockey player and to be able to work in professional sports has always been a dream of mine, but to work with dozens or not, if not hundreds of professional sports team for me is just like a dream come true. So love what you do, do what you love, love what you do. I truly believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I could see that coming through, you know, and some of the, <clears throat> you know, rather cliche things that you've said that I've, I've said myself that, that the listener might be hearing you say those things and go, well, you know, <laughs> but I would challenge to say that the kind of the cliche is, is pretty right. It's like, it's cliche for a reason. 
and so for you, for your for your history here, like there's a stamp, there's a legacy. Like you said, like just you were just kind of rolling there for a minute. I was feeling it. But what does that mean <laughs> for Chris? Okay, so you you get to work inside of professional uh, sports. I can see that being a dream of yours, being a professional athlete yourself. Like, okay, I see that. The like has that changed? Has that developed for you over time? Did you are did you always know that? If that's the dream and you're living it now, is there anything else? Like, give us a little bit of picture there. Yeah, no, I think the dream growing up here in Canada being like a huge, like, you know, hockey, it's culture, right? So, like, my dream was always to play in the NHL, like a lot of Canadians growing up. I had a couple devastating knee injuries, like, in my draft year, back to back, and it kind of set me down another path. I always thought I'd play, like, a high-level professional hockey, and I was able to fill out, live that dream of playing minor pro hockey, but I figured, like, once I gave up on, like, the dream that I could work in the front office, and I came across this pain point, and I just was so passionate about the problem that we're solving because we ran into it so many times selling sponsorship and just hearing no, no, no. And the reasons why are teams are looking for digital assets or businesses are looking for digital assets. They want to be able to collect customer analytics in this data age that we're living in. And we just didn't have anything like that. So we saw a huge niche opportunity in the market to create something great and, uh, you know, be able to like live out some of our dreams. My co-founder Shannon's also a huge sports fan. So together we get to travel the world and we get to go to all these sporting events. And it's just like such a fulfilling thing for me, you know, like you think of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and your self-actualization. Like I'm living that moment right now where this is something that I've always wanted to do in my life and we're living it. So I think another aspect of that is, you know, we're a team of 10 now and, you know, my co-founder and I were the leaders of the company and we have to provide for our employees. We have to make sure that they're taken care of, make sure that they're happy and make sure that they're fulfilled as well, too. So seeing them grow and, and be promoted within the company and then take on responsibility and have other employees underneath them, like that's super fulfilling for me. So I think for, for me, like starting this business, there's just so many reasons why and like so many things that like just fill my heart and fulfill me as an entrepreneur yeah I, I love that and i think that that what you've described obviously i have uh i felt that many times in my life but but even more so now with just a lot of the layers that i've added into my life i've had people say dude you podcast all the time you create these awesome events for entrepreneurs in a couple of days we're leaving to go on a on a cruise to bermuda which is with like a handful of other families that were doing this family mastermind talking about business and family and marriage. And to your point, I've kind of constructed this life that I saw and I just happened to be bringing people with me, which is just awesome because that happens to be my business. And so I, I see what you're saying. I feel what you're saying for the person listening. That's like, dude, I don't necessarily have that fulfillment of what you are like, like the love, the passion. I'm just doing it because it makes me money or I'm doing it this for three years and then I'm selling. Is there a layer to passion that that person, whether they haven't achieved that level of success yet, or maybe they have, but it's more like just X's and O's, more like number pushing that they can, like, what can they glean from this passion that you're expressing? Yeah, I mean, like, you're only on this planet for, for so long, right? Like, a couple examples, a high school friend of mine just a couple of days ago passed away at 30 years old, died in wow. his sleep. I mean, like, what other like example could you need to like get up in the morning and say, I'm going to make an impact today. I'm going to live my life yeah. to the fullest. Another wow. example, I was driving home with my friend last night. He was driving me home after a board meeting that I had. 
And he's kind of in a situation where he's not sure what he wants to do with his life. He's in his early 30s and he's looking to me. I've got this like successful business growing and I'm really fulfilled. And, you know, I'm just trying to give him advice. Like do something that you're passionate about. Like what do you love? Like find something that you love to do and, you know, build a career around that. So, I mean, I don't know if that directly answers your question, but I think everybody listening to this podcast has the opportunity to do something great, no matter like your race, religion, your background. You know, my co-founder and I, we started this business with 68 cents in our bank account and we've grown <laughs> our business exponentially over the last five and a half years. Look at your life. Think of like a six year, like five year blocks, right? Like yeah. where do you want to be in five years? We've taken our company from an idea to being backed by a Fortune 50 company in the States and, you know, partnered with NASCAR. So if I can do it, you can do it. And I want everyone at home to believe in yourself and have that mindset. Yeah. Yeah, not even being backed by some of those things. I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into some of the, the things that you're headed towards, but but you're looking at doing a seed round. You're looking at major growth. Like, talk about just that for like 30 seconds. I mean, there's a lot of things that you're talking about zero to five years, and you've kind of like, you know, in that short period of time. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think like a misconception for people is that you need to have all kinds of money to start a business. We were extremely stra- scrappy in those early days. We did, you know, crowdfunding. We we won pitch competitions. We got government grants, loans, lines yeah. of credit. Like we just did whatever we had to do to progress the business forward. And then we got to a point where it was like really starting to grow and then the pandemic hit, right? So no one could have ever imagined that, but we were able to just like get through that and survive. And so I just, I hate it when people say like they have excuses for like why they're waiting for the conditions to be right before they start their business. And for us, like getting to this point, we're we're really proud of ourselves. 90% of businesses fail within the first five years. So we've kind of like hit that, that milestone. And, you know, we're also a women led company, only 2.7% of venture capital goes to women led companies. So right away, we're behind the eight ball in that sense. But getting validation from like a fortune 50 company like Comcast NBC, oh. and starting to work with these major league teams has really given us that confidence. And now we're attracting, you know, major investors in, in the sports tech scene. So yeah, definitely. It's, you know, we've learned a lot along the way. It's definitely been a journey. But the fundraising part of the business is a whole journey, a whole beast in itself. I think those early years, you have to be really scrappy, but building relationships is what leads naturally into these, these investment relationships. It's not just like someone like throwing out cold emails all day. Like that's, I, I would prefer to like build the relationships naturally. And, and that's just kind of how I roll. So. Yeah. I think you gave some great value there. I just got to know though, like that last purchase right before you knew it was only 68 cents. Was it a couple bucks? Was it a Starbucks? Was it a big purchase? Like, <laughs> what was that last purchase that took you all the way down to sixty-eight cents so precisely? <laughs> it's probably on rent. We just reinvested everything that we had into, like, you know, ourselves, and yeah, it was like we were working for two minor professional hockey teams at the time. One of them was kind of fledging, and we went eleven weeks without getting paid from that one team. So, wow. like, it was really tough to make ends meet. But we saw the like like the the bigger picture right we wanted to like validate our platform with this team it ended up folding like before playoffs we never got paid but you know these are the things that you have to roll with as an entrepreneur but yeah it was we lived pretty lean pretty lean back in those days for sure yeah i mean 68 (laughs) cents i mean not not a whole lot of options there but uh, but i love the word scrappy i would definitely have put myself in that position or that that phraseology of scrappy i still think i'm scrappy would you consider yourself scrappy still today Absolutely. Like we're, we're frugal. I think another misconception is like wealthy people, like 
aren't frugal. And I think there's a lot of wealthy people and they've gotten that way by being frugal and being cognizant about how they spend their money. So yeah. Especially when you're aggressive in your investment mindset, that's, that's your mindset is growth. And what, what we're not saying to the listener <laughs> here is be frugal and be, be afraid, be fearful. To me, scrappy is like, you know, five in and I'm going to take four <laughs> and I'm going to put them, I'm going to put them back into marching orders to go to see what else I can drum up because I need another five to come in off of that, off of that one. And well, that one's not going to work and that one's not going to work. And I'm going to possibly get three off of that one. So then there's eight going to come back and I'm going to take seven out of that. And we're going to live on the one, you know, I took the one from the first set, one from the second set. And we're just going to keep being scrappy here. What for me, what that did, and maybe you can agree is that it just forced me to creatively solve problems. I'm already kind of a problem solver as entrepreneurs. That's what we do. We solve problems, but Sometimes when we like purposefully put ourselves in situations where it's like, okay, what do I have to do here? Like what, what is the only way out? There's an old book that I have read many, many times, but it's called blue vase mentality. It's like, no, I, I have to get this period. <laughs> I, it's either this or I die. And when you put yourself in that position, magical yeah. things happen. Would you agree? Yeah, I definitely think so. Matt Higgins just put out a book called burning the boats and basically like don't have a backup plan. If you have a backup plan in your mind, you're going to say, okay, if, if it doesn't success, if I'm not successful, if it doesn't work out, oh, I've got this plan to fall back on. And I think that's like a death, a death wish in entrepreneurship. Another word that I'll throw in this conversation is being resourceful. I think a lot of founders, entrepreneurs don't realize how many resources there are out there. I'll speak for Canada because we're a Canadian company, but you know, the government is really good at fostering like young business and that's something like Canada is really great at. But when it comes to like investment, there's a lot of like risk adverse investors in Canada compared to the United sure. States. So that's yeah. where we're doing a lot of our fundraising. And another thing that you said there, like solving problems, like I think we have a really big strategic advantage because my co-founder and I are also like partners, you know, we're able to solve problems in real time because 98% of the time we're together. So I appreciate that comment as well that you mentioned. Yeah, it, it, it really does go into scrappy. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like it just all falls into that. But let, let, I want to hear a little bit more about the story. So you're working for a company. It obviously was a stressful like period of time money-wise. You got this idea, this concept. You guys decided to go in together on this. Give us like a little bit of that part of the story. Yeah, so we were selling sponsorship for these two minor professional hockey teams and businesses that we were approaching in the community just kept telling us over and over again that they didn't just want the traditional sponsorship inventory we were selling. And instead, they wanted something that could digitally activate our fans and allow them to collect customer analytics. And we didn't have anything like that. So we got really frustrated after hearing no, no, no over and over again. So we looked elsewhere in the industry to see what other teams were doing. And we found that so many teams were still using paper coupons as the medium between the fan and the sponsor. Wow. With paper coupons, there's all kinds of costs associated, distribution, logistics. Like, there's, they don't collect any data, right? We're living in, like, a data-driven age. So yeah. we saw, like, a huge opportunity. And so I remember one day I went home to Ottawa. I was living, like, in Ottawa and, and staying in Cornwall part-time kind of thing. And I came back. And Shannon had create my co-founder had created this free app maker that she had found. And she was like, look at this. And it was called Fan Save at the time. So basically it was like deals that sponsors could offer. So we went into the local businesses in the community and we we're showing them. We're like, hey, would you want to put a deal on this to offer it to our fans? And they were like, yeah, that's great. And then we were like, you can track all the engagement and everything. And they were like, whoa, that's really cool. So we we're like, okay, maybe like this is something, you know, we've gotten like the validation from the team, us. 
we've, we've gotten the validation from the business and we know from speaking to the fans all day that, you know, they're looking to support the team sponsors. So that was kind of like our aha moment. Once we got that validation from the partners that there could be something here. And it wasn't long after that, we decided to take the leap and jump out of the plane without the parachute. So yeah, a little over that. five and a half years later, here we are. Hey, here we are we're going fast, drive fast, take risks. <laughs> okay. That's so it. We're, we're falling fast. That's right. That's right. We're well, rising and, fast. I'm not sure. <laughs> Right. I was going to say, maybe it's, I guess, dependent upon your perspective, but would you want to fall slow? (laughs) But yeah, definitely. Things are moving fast. Love it. Hey, Kings and Queens, Jazz Wolf. I want to talk to you about something that's super important to me. We put a lot of time and effort, we meaning myself and my team, into this podcast, into the content that goes out every single day. And if you have been getting any sort of value or insight from this, we want it to be able to reach other business owners too. So we would love if you would like, comment, share, leave a review, post, share again, (laughs) all of the things on social media, on all the different platforms, or even on the podcast mediums of Apple and Spotify. We would love to be able to get our content into more hands, more entrepreneurs, so they can grow their business as quick as possible. Together, we are building a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who are committed to growing their businesses to new heights. So let's do this. Let's help each other. Let's help each other grow. Love it, man. Okay, so I got to ask you some practicals. You've, you've got a lot, I'm sure, to, to think about over the last five years. But what was a good decision that you made? We were just talking about this. You're falling fast. You haven't really known yet if the parachute pulls and you're, you're trying to pull it. <laughs> What's the good decision that you made that, that we can learn from? We, you'd repeat it over and over. Yeah, definitely. There's so many along the way. I think of one, like creating our advisory board. So, you know, we were about a year in, into our business and we heard the concept of an advisor and an advisory board and how that could lend credibility to your company, help you solve problems, give you support. So our first advisor was actually a judge that we met at a startup competition that we were in and he just loved the concept and what we were doing. And from there, we just met some other great people that were really bought into the vision and really like liked us as people and wanted to be along for the journey and just not for any shares or any money, just for the prestige and just to be along for the journey, right? So we've got an advisory board of 12 and we've got really incredible people like the founder of the Ottawa Senators. We've got executives that have worked in major leagues for over 70 years combined, but we also have advisors on different aspects of the business, HR, PR. So really, if we ever have like, you know, a problem or a challenge that we're trying to work through, there's generally one of our advisors that we can turn to that we can get an expert opinion on and can help us kind of like work through the problem or the challenge. So I think that's really been like beneficial for us since like, since we enacted it and they become such big supporters and such big champions of us. And it just gives you even more confidence knowing that you have really credible people like that backing you. So I think that would be one of, one of the best decisions that we made early on. Yeah. I love that. I think that there's obviously wisdom in putting people around you that can help you work through problems. That's, that's why gathering the Kings exists. I love how you guys did it for yourself. You've got your own little pocket of people there. I think that that's super valuable as well. They're even more intimate with the, you know, the, the problems that you guys have, cause it's just an ongoing basis. Is there a magic formula of 12 or is it, can it be less? Can it be more? Is that just what you ended with? I wrote down 12. I thought maybe I'd ask you. 
yeah, I mean, we've we've kind of had some advisors in the beginning that have kind of like filtered out there. They're still like advisors, but we kind of cap it at 12. So they're, they're more like mentors. But yeah, there was no like rhyme or reason. I honestly feel like we could have 100 advisors. So many people have come into our lives that have just been really supportive and provided us with like great insights. So, you know, we've created a really great like community, a really great network, and we've built kind of like a, a really great name for ourselves in the industry. So people want to be a part of that. I love that. Is there, you just made a distinction between someone who's an advisor and potentially they graduate or move on, or maybe there's a, just a difference between a mentor and an advisor. What, what is that difference for you? Yeah, I think just like for us, like a, an advisor has like an official kind of title slapped on them as like an advisor. They're more involved with our company where mentors are kind of like one-offs or, you know, people we meet along the way that like, you know, can help us in any way or provide advice from their experience. So an advisor is more involved in our company. We have kind of like monthly meetings where a mentor doesn't have that like structure. It's just like, hey, if you can help us, great. If we can help you even better. I'm a big believer in give before you take kind of thing and reciprocity. So that's a big part of our, our, our mindsets. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So let's flip the coin here. What was a bad decision that you guys made that uh, wasn't your finest hour, as I like to say? When we started the company, we were like, let's create an app. Like we didn't know anything about like creating an app. We're both non-technical co-founders. So we failed forward a few times with our development. I'll summarize the, uh, the first couple of years of our business, trying to find the right, the right developer, you know, without really knowing like what we were looking for. So I would say like, the development has been tough, but like creating the app before the like the web app would have I would if I could go back in time I would have reversed it I would have created our web app first and then our mobile app second. A lot of teams that in the beginning were like, oh, like we don't want our fans to have to download another app, and we kind of ran into that. Whereas like so that's why we built our web app, which is like our website, but it's also embeddable into team websites and mobile apps. So I mean. I think we learned a lot from it. I'm not regretful for any mistakes or anything that I make because there's always an opportunity to learn. But if I could go back in time, that would be a thing that I would change. Yeah, I think that, I mean, first off, that's like super unique of a, of a, of a decision. So I, I just really appreciate you sharing. Do you think that that applies to other industries where consumers, generally speaking, don't want to quote unquote download another app? And maybe it's more convenient for them to you know, open it up in Facebook or open it up from a website or be a little bit more convenient in a different way. In this case for you, it was a, it was a, you know, a mobile website version. What do you think about that? Yeah. So I think of an example of a team that we're not working with that has seven different partners of theirs that are offering deals to their fans. Once an in-game event happens, such as like a hat trick or anything like that, and so they're sending their fans to download seven different mobile apps to access these deals. They have to sign up for rewards. The team is not tracking like any of the data. So from like our customers' perspective, like they like this team is not doing it right. And there's a lot of teams that are looking for this solution so that they can actually drive their fans back to their own digital assets as opposed to sending their fans to third-party platforms. Another thing that I, re I recently ran into a couple days was, a couple days ago, is one of our teams was like, oh, we have some older fans, season ticket holders, and they have, like, flip phones. They can't access, like, the mobile app. And I'm like, well, how are they even going to access, like, the web app? So, like, you know, dealing with things on the fly like that that come up and trying to find solutions, you know, yeah. it, it's just all part of it, so. Yeah, yeah, I think... <laughs> I think that's a, probably a, uh, a dying problem, but, but it still exists. I'm sure the, the other problem that we're kind of discussing is a little bit more of convenience and also too, you made a huge distinction there 
of the your client, the 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 team, they don't want to necessarily take their resource and point people towards you. And so you as a business have to figure out how to make it the most valuable for them, which is keep their clients on their digital asset while collecting data on their behalf and probably on your behalf or and or some you know at least analytics that you can be able to share and or you know use for your business function. So I love what you did there. It's like, okay, well, this is what we thought was needed. We analyzed what what our clients were actually saying and and what the marketplace was saying was inconvenient. And the solution actually makes it better for the consumer, the the actual ticket holder, as well as our client, the team holder, because we keep them on their digital assets all in round. We just got to figure out how this helps us as well, which obviously you guys have done. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in business. So like this is probably a years in the making type of conversation that we've been having, I assume. Yeah. The more fans that redeem deals, the more the sponsors are happy, the more the sponsors are happy, the, the more the team is happy that their sponsors are happy. So we have three stakeholders, the team, the sponsor, and the yeah. fan. So we need to have like, our messaging needs to be different depending on who we're talking to, who we're communicating That's to, right. right? If it's a fan, we want to be more fan facing. We don't want to be like telling them that we're, you know, collecting their data, even though they sign off on terms and conditions, just like every other social media platform. But that's not something that we would lead with. Whereas when we're talking to the teams, they're so desperate for data and to be able to understand the relationship between the fan and their corporate partners. So that messaging is a little different. And then for the sponsors, it's really like, you know, driving in traffic into their business and allowing them to track that, that engagement. So yeah, three different kind of like communication kind of styles, depending on who we're talking to. So we're always cognizant of that. Yeah, I love that. You guys are obviously analytical in your approach, but the vulnerability of like, we just assumed and we just did it. Number one, not even being, you know, technically appropriate. I loved what you said. Your, your co-founder went onto a free app and basically hodgepodged it, which is so entrepreneurial. Yeah. I love it. Uh, but then obviously some assumptions came out of that and, and you guys got it figured out, which is the, is the overcoming. It's the, like you said, if Chris can do it, you can do it. And so some, some, I don't know if this looks like the same in a marketing business or in a, you know, in a, in a drywall business or in a commercial manufacturing company, yeah. <laughs> but it's the same, it's the same principles that exist. So I appreciate that. I, I want to ask you about your decision-making and then I want to move on to our speed round in the decision-making. Is there like a formula that you follow? Like you guys have a, like you said, you got three stakeholders. You're trying to, you know, please everybody. On top of that, you got investors and you got yourselves and your team. So really you've got even more than three stakeholders. What, how, how do you guys make quality decisions? Okay. Yeah. Quality decisions. I think my co-founder and I, like when we met right away, like we were like finishing each other's sentences and like, we just have like the same mind for business. Again, going back to being so close to each other and being able to solve problems in real time. I think that's like a, a big thing for us. Just trying to think of your question in a, in a different way with all. Yeah. With, I mean, like <laughs> it's a lot, right? Like you, you lean on your advisors, you, you lean on each other as co-founders, then you're trying to like empower your employees so that they can kind of take on more responsibility. Shannon and I have done a really good job of like breaking the business into two and both focusing on our strengths, right? So yeah. my strength is like strategy, business development, sales, and marketing. And on her side, she's like an awesome marketer. She's the face of the company. She does all the back end admin, the legal and everything like that. So 
And also the most important part is she takes on, she takes the lead on the investment side of things. So, you know, we both play to our strengths and we complement each other's strengths and weaknesses. So I think that's kind of like how we're managed. We're also like very organized. I say we, but more so Shannon has made us more organized. She's very, very organized and and that keeps us on track. And there's a lot of tools that we use as well too. We've got our CRMs. We use Trello to kind of like manage our team and kind of like our accounts and things like that. So yeah, there's lots of ways that we're able to kind of like manage all of our different stakeholders. Yeah, love that. Appreciate it. In the speed round here, I want to know the top KPI or the one that you would track forever and ever if you could only pick one. Yeah, it's easy. It would be a number of redemptions. So number of deals redeemed by sports fans. Like that's really like the main KPI. I mean, obviously revenue is there, but like, like if people aren't redeeming deals on our platform, our platform is not doing what we created it to do, right? So that's yeah. like the absolute main KPI, you know, things like impressions on their their page and, you know, things like that, like number of followers to a team's page, like those are all important. But at the end of the day, if like fans aren't redeeming deals, like the, the platform is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's your usage KPI and usage can be tracked an LTV, it can be tracked in, do I have repeat cl- customers, referrals? Like there's a lot of maybe individual KPIs, but we're, what we're talking about is usage. And for you being an app, if people aren't literally using the app and then also redeeming or not the app, but the web app, then. Yeah. Caught yourself. What, Love that. See? Yeah. What, what value do you bring? If, <laughs> that's if important you... because when we're promoting it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it's so true. Like if, when we're promoting it or the team's promoting it and they're saying, oh, it's the app. Like, no, no, we don't want fans to like first of all, think it's an app and have to download another app. It's a digital platform. And like, yeah, that's the thing that we've dealt with. I'm so glad that you like made that distinction because like we've heard that so many times and that's been a big part of our branding and strategy is to kind of move away from an app and more of like a digital platform. So sorry to cut you off. I wanted to throw that in there. I thought it was oh, really that's important, good, man. That's good. That's good. It happened in real time, right? Right here before the listener. So there you go. I got to ask <laughs> you a question about resources. You, you've got people around you. We've talked about that, but what about a book or a podcast or an event, something that you've got like business knowledge from that you can recommend. Okay. So book that I'm reading right now that I am really into is called no one wins alone. It's by Mark Messier, longtime NHL captain. And it's really about leadership and, you know, culture and building a team. So that would be like a book that I'm reading right now. Like some other resources that I think are really important. We're a portfolio company for a few different startup accelerators. So one here in Ottawa. So there was a couple that we are local that really in those early years gave us the foundation and the mentorship and, you know, the resources to grow our business. And then recently we were selected to join the Comcast NBC Sports Tech Accelerator out of 900 companies worldwide. So we were the only company selected. So that was like huge opportunity for us. It's given us the opportunity to like work with partners like NASCAR and explore pilots with like the WWE and other brands like that, but just the high level mentorship, the doors that they open in the sports world for us, the doors that they open in the investment world. Like when we talk about resources, there's like, there's things like startup accelerators that are there to help you grow your business. And so that's been a big thing. And then another third one I'll throw out has been Pitching, and I'll throw in networking in with that because I think they're two of the same in a sense. We built our brand off of pitching at startup competitions. We've pitched on international stages, down to local stages. At one pitch fest, we won a $100,000 convertible note. And, you know, it's just really grown our network and, and our yeah. brand at no cost. So those are three resources. Anyone can 
can can apply for a pitch no matter how early you are and we've proven that accelerators are like an awesome opportunity for you to build the foundation but also grow your company and then i think listening to podcasts and, and reading books is another really important thing for entrepreneurs and founders i got one last question here for you i want to know if you had the opportunity to reach into the past and whisper in the younger chris's ear what would you say be patient and be passionate. I've always been passionate about anything that I do. I've always thrown myself into whatever I, I do. I think there's like another cliche. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. I'm not the type of person that kind of dips my toe in or kind of goes half-ass. Like I really like to, to make the most out of opportunities. So being patient as well. I think like when people start a business, you know, they get that like overnight success expectations sometimes or they only see the successful businesses, right? They don't see yeah. the 90% of businesses that fail. So I would say like when we were first starting this business, we thought, okay, we're going to get like investment after three years. We're going to have major league teams. And it didn't work out like that. Like there was growing pains and there was a pandemic. And so yeah. be patient. You know, if you put the work in and you're passionate about something, nine, nine times out of 10, you're going to be successful. And I firmly believe that. Yeah, man, I agree with you. Also, there's a there's a message of persistence in that patience because the definition of patience mm. is is basically long suffering. And that doesn't sound super awesome. You know, like when, when you really look at that, you're like, who wants to wait in long suffering? And you're like, <laughs> but the reality of it is, is that the majority of things worth it, either take time or just this massive lift. Be, otherwise, it wouldn't be worth it, in my opinion. So I just appreciate your your vulnerability there. How can the listener find you, Chris? So first off, you got all kinds of ways that people need to locate you. I mean, maybe we're a sports fan and we need to come check you out. Maybe we want to get some sort of a sponsorship at some of your team's events. Uh, or, or maybe we're just an entrepreneur and we want to chat with you, or maybe there's an opportunity to invest in your company. It sounds like potentially, how can we find you, Chris? Yeah, definitely. So uh, for fans looking to learn more about the company, you can go to fansaves.com or you can download our mobile app. You can follow your favorite teams and you can start saving money from uh, the businesses that support those teams. So that's definitely the best way. We're on all those socials as well for businesses that are interested in kind of like getting involved or learning more. There's a form on our website. You can fill out an inquiry and I'll be getting back to you as soon as possible. So kind of thing. And I would love to tell you more. And then for, for entrepreneurs, for, for people that are looking to kind of like learn more about our journey or looking to connect with me, I'm like a huge, huge LinkedIn user, I guess you could say. I have like a minor addiction to LinkedIn. I just think <laughs> it's such an awesome platform. Of course, I'm available on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. But my main platform of choice uh, is LinkedIn. So whether you're an investor, whether you're a founder or anyone just looking to, to learn more, like definitely reach out on LinkedIn. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. We'll put that information as well as all the other details in the show notes and just really appreciate your time, man. I, we had, we had a heck of a time with, with me in a new recording studio and, and you with some shifting rooms over there, but man, we, we got this thing done and dude, I think you provided some incredible value here today. I just so appreciate you being here. We wish you nothing but blessing to you, your partner, your team, the business, all the companies that you guys touch, all the consumers. Thanks for being here, man. Such a pleasure. Thanks for having me and a big fan of the podcast. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 
other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1000 Kings specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling Kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family and communities. And here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.